And welcome to another episode of The Perfect Playlist, a podcast that helps you separate from the people in your house who you're sick of, they're definitely sick of you, and uh, we're as close to a concert as you're going to get this early in 2021. So I am Joe, he is JD. How's it going, JD? Pretty good. That's good. So today we are talking celebrity hits, celebrity songs. Well, not yet. Let's, let's, let's be absolutely clear here, because yeah. not all of them were like hits in the true sense of the word but no this is really i wanted to talk about celebrities who recorded music and it worked on some level yeah you know? for sure and these aren't the best songs in the history of music however <laughs> you know and we're, we're certainly going to get into that but we all have our reasons for picking uh, the five songs each that we chose and at the end we'll we'll go over one song that uh that we believe did not work i think the amazing thing is celebrities know that people want to see them but what i find hilarious is the notion that celebrities think people want to hear them as well. Well, that's the thing, right? <laughs> is is they're like, and we put them on a pedestal, and sure. they embrace that pedestal. But yeah. I feel like celebrities being successful in music, hear me out. I think that might be even harder than us being successful in music. Us meeting, like, meandering musicians? Yes. Okay. Meandering, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Because... We have already, uh, on some level, compartmentalized these people, right? Yeah, sure. So, you know, Tom Hanks, we know him as Forrest Gump. Uh, Adam Sandler, we know him as Billy Madison. We don't want you, especially if you're a comedic actor, we're not going to accept you as being the the person who delivers the soundtrack of my life and and talks to me in my darkest moments. Yes. Like, I don't want Billy Madison to be that guy. (laughs) That's not going to work. So, uh, in in that sense, you're already kind of pigeonholed. So these are the people, and that's why I find these people even more impressive. They've been able to break through. Yeah, for sure. A little game I wanted to play with you first, so I'm glad I prepped you on this, is in terms of celebrities, each of us have kind of run into some randos through the years, right? I don't know that you know my full list and vice versa, so I want to play a little bit of a trivia game with you, and that's which celebrity have I not met? You need to pick one. One from this list of four. Whom I have not met. All right, you ready for the okay. list? Hit me with it. Good. Juliette Lewis, the actress. Got it. Okay. Greg Gumbel, sportscaster. Ric Flair, legendary wrestler. Or Ben Savage, the Boy Meets World actor. So let me run that by you again. Juliette Lewis, Greg Gumbel, Ric Flair, Ben Savage. Who have I not met of that four? I know you met Gumbel. Oh. I remember that story. Okay. I believe you told me a story that involved Ben Savage, mm-hmm. you know, in a compromising position at a bar. Yes. Something uh, like that. I will just say for litigious purposes, he asked me for something that I did not have. Yes. <laughs> That's and, all. And it wasn't a penis. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so venture, yes. So this is between Juliette Lewis, which, by the way, she would fit perfectly into this category we're talking about today. Sure. Maybe why you brought it up. Or Ric Flair. You would have definitely told me if you had met Ric Flair. I think that would have been something that came up. So um, I don't know when you met Juliet Lewis. I'm going to assume you did. I'm going to say Ric Flair is the one you did not meet. I actually did meet Ric Flair. What? Yes, for how, real. How long have you been friends and you never brought this up? I uh, I think this predated our friendship by one year. No, but still, you don't bring it up since then? You've I been friends know. since 2006, for God's sake. Yeah, I mean, I met him at a meet and greet, so I did exchange a few words with him. It's not like I met him out in the wild. Uh, it was it was a book signing out in the wild, <laughs> like in the woods. And his star was, you know, this is like towards that bankruptcy time. So he was just kind of coming off that bankruptcy. Hence why he was at this 
you know. Yeah, he was peddling his wares. But I'm, I'm fine. You know, shook his hand. We did the four horsemen salute for a, a photo. It was very nice. How about you? All right. Let's well, hear your I'm list. Impressed. I'm surprised. Yeah. But I mean, it makes sense. So it, I'm sorry. So Juliet Lewis, I have not met. I love Juliet Lewis, by the way. Yeah. I actually think her music's pretty good. She's a little like Iggy Pop inspired. Yeah, uh, I can see that. She's, yeah. she's got some fun songs. But anyway. Cool, cool. Go ahead. All right. So here are my four. Yeah. James Gandolfini. Ro- Robert Plant. Uh-huh. Led Zeppelin, of course. Frankie Valli. Or Linda McMahon. I have a feeling if you met Gandolfini, there would have been a photo involved that, like, you would just proudly show off like a proud papa. I'm not going to go into why for the others and bore the audience, but I do feel that Gandolfini is where I'm going to put all my chips at the moment. That's right. All right. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. I threw him in there because I figured, you know, Big Sopranos fan, I would have been up for meeting him. He's a Jersey guy. Yeah. You know, so it would have made sense that it would have met him. But that's him. why it, it, it I mean, because he and that crew float around here. Like, my yep. my sister's boyfriend is very good friends with Furio. Oh. Uh, so. A little humble brag there, yeah. Yeah, just saying. Like, these are people who are out and about and around. Yeah, they're accessible, you know, I right? actually, uh, yeah. I actually had drinks with Vito at Pub 46 in Clifton. So. Oh, yes, you told yeah. me about that, yeah. These people are all over. But anyway. <laughs> Moving on, moving on. Let's jump into the playlist. So we're just going to play into the song a little bit. We want to get you a feel of the song into the chorus. Then Joe and I will come back and do a little talk. And first up, she's a model, socialite, reality TV star, and a reggae icon. (laughs) Paris Hilton. (laughs) Stars are blind. Ugh. Famous for being famous, my friend. I wish I was deaf. Show me yours, I'll show you mine, my friend. I, I hate the fact that this is a good song. I mean, really, it's it a good is. song. It's a well-written song. I just hate that it was used on somebody who didn't need the fame, who didn't need the notoriety, who didn't need the money. Yeah, and that's just it. I'll get to the funny anecdote along those lines, but I just want to hit on the first part there, and that is, this is a pretty good song. You can't deny it. <laughs> Undeniable. And I have to admit that on our first episode which was Embarrassing Pop, this almost made my list. Yeah, it should have. I like it that much, and I am embarrassed to like it as much as I Liking do. Liking any Paris Hilton song is definitely embarrass-worthy. Oh, so the Hilton heiress, socialite, etc., is here with her debut single. Yeah. This yeah. was this is the first song she ever put out from, from an album, and I think it was like 06 or something. But not the first time she put out. <laughs> We're being clear here. That is fair. Yeah. That is fair. But, but dude, did she popularized being rich and stupid. 
you know, she was Kim Kardashian before Kim Kardashian was a thing. Yeah, Kim actually, like, was, like, minor league Kim when she was hanging out with, you know, Paris and yeah, whatever, Lionel Richie's daughter in the clubs and all that she stuff. She was like an apprentice. Yeah. She really was. And she, she, like, didn't have the eye makeup and the, you know, implants and stuff. So it was all kind of, like, on the up and up there. But this song, this song peaked at number 18 on the Hot 100. Now, don't mistake that for this song getting airplay. I think at the time, this was really driven by digital sales. So the kids were downloading this. This had a market. I mean, mean, theoretically, it should not, and it should. Because, okay, this is a, a big superstar. For what reasons, I don't know, because she's attractive and she did porn and she, you know, it's part of like the, you know, the Hilton family. But let's let's just put this in perspective. So this was her most popular song in Apple Music. I looked, uh, you know, today. You know what the second most popular <laughs> song is? My best friend's ass. <laughs> this is the kind of artist, and it, and she has the nerve. Well, not her decision. It says artist under her under her name at Apple. Artist, artist. That is amazing. I have a hard time with that, JD. And so what you were saying, how this song is like a bit of a waste on someone like her. It's funny you say that because a lot of critics draw a parallel between this song and the work of Gwen Stefani. Yep. And so where I'm going with this is this song was produced and and uh, the co-writer of this originally intended this for Gwen Stefani. But Gwen Stefani at that time in 2006 decided she was taking a little break from music to start a family. Okay. So this song didn't have a home. He then went to Paris Hilton and was like, hey, you want to try Gwen Stefani, you know, light? <laughs> wow. And here it is, right? I, I love stories like that. Right? Yeah. yeah. I love it better when it benefits somebody who needs it. But <laughs> so many love to hate her at that time. And so the producer really wanted to show the world that she's a, a likable person and she has something to her. So he handed her this song and <laughs> his quote to the media was, a great song heals all. As the reason why he gave her this song to record. I mean, she needed to be healed. <laughs> In other words, he was he was personally taking the douchey job of attempting to, to change and alter her perception yeah. out there. It's yeah. from a negative one to a positive one. People love to hate Paris Hilton. I mean, it could have been worse. She could have been a serial killer. And That's that would have been a harder sure. job. But still, it was. I, I do not envy the person whose job it was to make her seem likable to anybody. All right, moving right along. This next one, and I, oh, this, this one's a rough one. one for me. This is my first one. It's the first thing I thought of when we, when we thought of the episode. Ooh, little Patrick Swayze. She's like the wind, baby. She's like the wind through my tree. She rides the night next to me. She leads me to moonlight, only to burn me with the sun. She's taking my heart, but she doesn't know what she's done. Feel the breath in my face, her body close to me. Can't look in her eyes. Yes. Oh, 
Look yes. at that sax coming in there. This is this coming is in hot. Such a beautiful use of 1980s saxophone. Woo. Monstrous hit from Patrick Swayze off the 1987 monstrous hit, the Dirty Dancing soundtrack. You know, Swayze was ultimately Patrick Swayze, of course. Uh, who played the lead, Johnny Castle, in Dirty Dancing, of course. Johnny everybody Castle. knows that. Johnny Castle. Yeah. Was named People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive in 1991. That's four years after the film. 91? That's, that's four years too late, if you're asking me. Very much so. Absolute comet in this movie. Mm. What, I mean, like, look at the guy. Yeah. I mean, he played the part. He, he had everything going for him. Yeah, and he I have to say, like, I don't really know his trajectory before this. I don't really know what he was in. Was he in The Outsiders? I'm just going to say, yeah, yeah he was. Okay, okay yeah, cool. He was in The Outsiders. He was in a couple of films. Outsiders was his claim to fame before this okay. movie. Yeah. And, but that's even me kind of guessing. But you're right, man. This one, he went nuclear with this one. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I kind of get a kick out of when these superstars go above and beyond, do more than they ever have to do, right? He could have just rested on his, you know, on his good looks and his acting chops. Yeah. And gotten everything he ever wanted in life. But he actually co-wrote this for um, a, a 1984 film called Grandview USA. So this wasn't even originally written for this movie. Wow. Yeah. And, and he hit it right at the perfect moment, right in the sweet spot. Wow. I mean, this was like... This was every that the summer this came out or whatever the fuck, every girl was into this. Yeah, I remember being at this time like roughly a headbanger or something. I was going through Metallica phase, so I hated almost anything Z100 and yeah. bright and cheery. Girl in front of me at church, I used to go to church every week. Girl in front of me at church had a dirty dancing denim jacket would wear all the time, and I like resented. And she was cute, and I just like resented it, but. Ended up hooking with her a couple, hooking up with her a couple years later. Really? Yeah. Ended up and then telling her about it, and she was like kind of offended <laughs> that I was offended by her denim jacket. You weren't a fan of Dirty Dancing, yeah. and I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore. So, I was eight, so that would have made you what eleven or so when uh, yeah, something like that. Movie Ten or eleven. Yeah. Did you understand what was happening in the film? No, I didn't at all. I. I didn't get it. I knew there was some issue, and that 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 the father had an issue with Patrick Swayze. I thought that. That Patrick Swayze had beat this girl up. <laughs> what? But apparently Jennifer Grey. No, not Jennifer Grey. The other one. There was another. There was oh. another uh, girl that was involved. Okay. Who had an abortion? Oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not remembering this at That's all. That's what happens in the movie. Yeah. And I didn't get that at the time. I saw her like in, lying down on the table, like kind of uh, hurt. Uh. So I thought, like, wow, like. So he's going to get some ass, but he kicked the shit out of this woman. Like, that's not right. You know, it wasn't until years later when I realized, like, oh, okay, well, the father thought that he had sex with her and got her an abortion. And that's oh. where his money went. But it was another guy. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to follow that, but I can't. So no, it's a lot. I, it's I, a lot. But I, yeah, I have vague recollection. But this soundtrack was a, a monster. It spent 18 weeks at number one, the album. Yeah. 18. I mean, that, Joe, that's like, that is almost five months of one record being undisputed at the top consecutively. Yeah. That I mean, is crazy. You got this, you got Be My Baby, you got I Had the Time of My Life. Like a lot of hits for were sure. on this album. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's power, man. That's staying power. Speaking of, we got another banger coming through the Perfect Playlist from the 80s. Ooh, yeah. Written and produced by Rick James. Rick James, bitch. <laughs> and it's got him all over this. It does. He sings on it too. Yeah, oh god, does he ever? He's, he's all over the goddamn video too. I don't know if you ever seen that. I don't remember. It's them it in now. the studio. 
Is and it? behind the glass, Rick James is like basically fucking the glass. <laughs> <laughs> While, you know, Eddie Murphy bops and bops. But yeah, I remember this song was was definitely one of the ones I used to put on a cassette, a radio mix. I okay. had to get it, had to have it. One of the first songs I ever put on cassette. Okay, this was a, like a, a couple of years before my time. Yeah, it's Eddie Murphy. There it is, kids. I mean, who hasn't dated a party girl? Am I right? Oh, you you know Eddie's pain here. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I have, but well, <laughs> you know, you probably have. Oh, tons. But I I didn't. I gotta say, I was always aware of this song, but it's one of the songs that I didn't I didn't associate with a celebrity because I'm a kid, right? When this came out, so yeah, I didn't sure. know. I mean, I kind of just peripherally knew who Eddie Murphy was, but I didn't associate this with him. So I didn't have the preconceived notion of, oh, this is a comedian doing this song. I just knew it as, like, this is, a like, a radio pop song. I think same. I mean, you know, I was watching SNL at that time, and I don't even think I made the connection. The crazy thing about Eddie Murphy is he started SNL when he was 19. That's insane. Right? So he was doing Gumby and Buckwheat and all these, these you know, iconic SNL characterizations at the age of 19, 20, 21. I, don't, I, I can't wrap my head around that. That's just crazy. You just don't but, see that. So so this song reached number two on the Hot 100 chart. Mm-hmm. The number one song, Say You, Say Me by Lionel Richie. Ooh. Not a bad song. A but scorcher. Still, but, yeah. not like, I, but I don't know if I'd call it. It's not like, you know, I Will Always Love You by, by Whitney Houston. A song it, you're not yeah. going to beat. It's not like, you know, 2007 Patriots or anything like that. Right. But, it's not undeniable. Right. But like, Imagine you have one shot, and you can't even beat Lionel Richie's "Say You Say Me." It's for me. It's almost like you know you're rooting for your team, and and like they have one more, they have to win game, uh, you know, week seventeen to get into the playoffs, and they lose to the Lions. Like if you lose to the Lions, you don't deserve to get into the playoffs. That's how I feel about them not getting number one. Yeah, and, and the great thing though is like he's singing his heart out on this one too. I mean, you just heard that sustained note there. That he just held. I dig that, man. It, it's another song cool. comes up later, too, where I feel the same way. I'm like, he really went for it. And it's it's impressive because, I mean, we were just talking about the lack of processing on Paris Hilton. There's no processing here. No. This is just him and the mic. You know, maybe a little reverb yeah, a little and things there, like yeah. that. But that's fine. That's in every song. Um, I, I absolutely love this song. I mean, this was even in Grand Theft Auto 4. And every time it came on, when you're driving in the car in Grand Theft I mean... I turned my my genocide up a notch and just started shooting and whatever. I would figure the opposite would happen. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would it just sit there you and up. chill and yeah. it's not a drink, you know? You just reload the Uzi and just unload. But uh, <laughs> Soundtrack for a Massacre, Party All the Time by Eddie Murphy. And music critics, you know, they're such, like, pretentious D-bags. So I actually read one. I don't even know who this is attributed to, and I'm okay with that, who broke down the song and said, Lyrically, the song is a lament by a man who gives his significant other everything, yet he can't seem to get her to remain faithful to him. 
No shit. <laughs> Thanks for the analysis, dude. Appreciate the mansplaining on this one, but I think we get it. This girl's face down in coke, ass up in whatever guy, and not with Eddie. We're cool. We're not overly concerned with the lyrical content of this song. <laughs> I mean, do you care? I don't really care. Moving right along to the next one on here. Oh, this one brings me back. 2007. 2007? This sounds like it was done in 87. Sure does. And we'll get to that in a minute. Here's Hugh Grant. Try really hard not to embarrass myself with my knowledge of this film. <laughs> Hugh Grant, Hugh right? Grant, of course, yep. yes, the, the the affable Hugh Grant, recorded for the 2007 film Music and Lyrics, the uh, Hugh Grant vehicle, with uh, starring also Drew Barrymore. But basically, and I love the film not only because I'm a big Hugh Grant fan for whatever reason, but because it's <laughs> it's all about you know the process of of creating a hit. You know, I mean, I, I'm interested in that as a songwriter, right? In that whole process, and you are too. Mm -hmm. So basically, Hugh Grant is a, a, like a less sex-infused George Michael. Yeah, know? I heard that. I had to read on this. Yeah. Uh, that the the duo was inspired by Wham. Yeah, Wham, or like a little touch of Duran Duran too, but mostly Wham. It's mm -hmm. really him and the other guy, right? So they had a couple George Michael hits. and the other guy. George Michael and the other guy. So this song is basically "Wake Me Up Before You Go Go," mm -hmm. and um, and then they are writing. That, you know, then there's the pop star of today, who's this woman, Cora, who comes to him and says, I'm a fan of your work and I'd love to do a duet with you if you want to, you know, write a song that we can play. And then Hugh Grant and Drew Barrymore wrote the song, which, by the way, the song Way Back Into Love, which they eventually write, written by Adam Schlesinger. Oh, interesting. So, you know, very cool stuff. But I, I love the fact that, you know, not only is it a catchy tune and Hugh Grant really is... He's emotive in the song. He's, like I said, affable. He's likable. Even... You know, just just listen to his thing. He's likable. Yeah. And they capture the spirit of a song that was supposed to have been written in the 80s. Like, this could easily have been a hit in the 80s. And I think the interesting thing is, too, he, you got a guy with a heavy, heavy British accent. And most of them sing like us Americans do, Ooh. right? Not on this one. He's kind of keeping that little bit of a British, I would say about 50% of his kind of natural yeah. speaking voice into here whereas people like elton john paul mccartney don't you yeah. know uh so it's kind of interesting to hear but i don't know if you know this but a co-writer of this song is the lead singer from the modern alt band mike snow oh i didn't know that. the ones that sing genghis khan okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Genghis khan. that singer that guy wrote this song along with whomever the guy who also co-wrote this song wrote the uh shallow from uh, Star is Born, the oh, Lady Gaga. That's your favorite tune. Yeah. 
Can, can we go into that? Can we sing it together? <laughs> if we could, I guess, if you'd like to. La, 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 <laughs> I know you love that shit. Oh, oh God. I mean, that part, the song, the song Shallow has me up until that part. I know. I'm I like know. emotional. It's like very emotive. It's very powerful. Shallow is, and then they start going la 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 <laughs> la. We got to that part. And I'm like, Justin's gonna hate this. <laughs> I gotta talk to him about it. It falls apart. Yeah, I'm glad we connect on that. But yeah, I mean, another another celebrity there, Bradley Cooper, doing his thing, singing. I on that one again. Another one that fits in the category of like, what you don't have enough ass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he needs he's to good be. too. Yeah, you know, I was does a fine to, job. There was the son of the coffeehouse station. Another one of his tunes from that movie came up, and yeah, he's good. Yeah, not Can't bad, not bad. Good. And he did it live with her at the Grammys. I was like, was okay, good. I was yeah. Th- I mean, it's, it's insanely low register. All right, if we're gonna sure. music nerd it, yeah. you know, and it's it's a little bit of a layup if you're a singer. Gaga does the heavy lifting, hundred percent, but it counts. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's not easy just to stand on a stage with Lady Gaga. It counts exactly, and not get a boner. Oh, wait, that's just me. <laughs> Actually, there is a story about how Lady Gaga waved at me, but I'll, I'll go into that another time. <laughs> I don't know if I can wait. <laughs> it's fine. Oof. We're transitioning here to another one. It's Lindsay Lohan's hit from 2004. This one's called Rumors. I wonder what this could be about. Yeah, I know. You're, you're never going to guess the topic, deep, bro. <laughs> Oh, let's hear it. Saturday, stepping into the club. Then we say, we want to tell the DJ, turn it up. I feel the energy all around, and my body can't stop moving to the sound. But I can tell that you're watching me, and you're probably going to write what you didn't see. Well, I just need a little space to breathe. Can you please respect my privacy? Okay, there it is, the very literal rumors from Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, J.D., I'm not sure if you're aware, but this was taken verbatim from her from her sixth-grade diary. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, what did, like, a fifth-grader write the lyrics to this song? I mean, it's like a fine, it's a catchy song, but my God. Yeah. Have some sort of artistry to this. It was a successful song. Um, Tito Jackson's son co-wrote this with her, believe it or not. Really? So, yeah, it's, that apple fell very far from the tree, but... Still, this song was a hit, dude. Number six on Billboard's Bubbling Under Hot 100. Yeah. So it didn't make the the Hot 100, but it was like one of those like heat-seeking riser kind of buzz clips, if you will. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it did fine on dance charts and things like that. The song actually hit number one on TRL, was nominated for Best Pop Video at the 05 MTV VMAs. So this song had its share of success beside, despite it being insanely simplistic. Yeah, and she, she she really had her moment, right? So this was post Mean Girls, and I feel like Mean Girls was her star rising, and then everything after that was her life falling apart, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, so this was after that. This was kind of during when her life was falling apart. But I don't know. I don't really remember the exact <laughs> rise and fall of Lindsay Lohan. <laughs> you know, going back to Parent Trap. 
Yeah, but I was a I was a fan of her in not to get creepy, but in uh, in Mean Girls, you know. Yeah, for sure. She had she a, was adorable. She was again. It, it helps that she was the girl next door, and she looked. She seemed like the girl who you literally meet on your street or at the supermarket. So that helped, but then that didn't last very long, did it? But, I mean, this song, you know, as much as we're kind of knocking it a little bit, you know, we did touch on the success of it. I mean, for her, for a celebrity to kind of talk sing their way through a song, I've heard worse. Yeah, for sure. And she had some help with the production and everything. And Big time. It's like, it's like when um, I hear, like, a woman say, like, oh, how does so-and-so, like, have such a flat stomach? I'm like, well, it helps to have, like, a trainer, like, around the clock, right? Right. The whole it, team dedicating themselves towards that success. It yeah. helps to have help. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, JD, I would have put not to question your music choices, but you know what I would put in that spot? Yeah. And that would have slid in perfectly. Ashley Simpson's pieces of me. Uh, I put that in the same kind of vein of uh she she had her one moment musically and then she was done after that. And same kind of feel I mean, this is a little bit more dancey, but still. Yeah, but I think the Simpson girls were yeah, they were music before they were acting in media, I think. I don't. Yeah. I don't know that I want to fight no, this fight or die on this hill. But I'm fairly certain they they hit music first. But well, uh, Jessica, Jessica, yes, okay. And then Ashley was just kind of like this. There, I'm kind of famous because of it's like Patrick Mahomes' brother. Like I was like I'm famous because of my sibling. And then yeah, so you're probably right. Do you remember? Taken. Do you remember um, Ashley Simpson's SNL moment? What was she doing? Like she was like dancing, square dancing, yeah, or yeah. whatever up there. She didn't know what to do. And I've done something like that before. I don't know yeah. if I told you, but no. there, uh, you know, in my last band, we went up and we were dealing with this asshole guitar. I don't even know. There's no other word to describe him. He was terrible. You know, um, just thought the world of himself. Literally referred to himself as a god. Like thought he was the best, and said, "We, we got to find another guy." But until then, let's stick it out. So he would refuse to do sound checks. Like just oh pre- wow, pretentious. So are you that? talking about like Dingbats and Clifton? He'd skip the sound checks. Yes, that oh. was Dingbats. Yeah, exactly. That oh, was Dingbats. I, I was being facetious. No, but. I know you were. I know you were, but you nailed it. So, <laughs> but then, so he skipped the sound check in Dingbats, which is this. You know, if you don't know. If you don't know what place this is, you're lucky. Yeah. And um, nothing against the place. It's not so, up to code. Let's yeah. just put it that way. <laughs> so then we were trying out this place, Dexter's. I don't know if you remember Dexter's. Sure. It's this big place on Route 23. 23. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like huge place. It could fit like a couple of hundred people. Black so, everywhere. Yeah. So we went in there and we were trying out mm-hmm. for t- to get a gig. And this dude, I guess his monitors weren't loud enough. So in the middle of our tryout, he starts screaming into the microphone. I can't fucking hear myself. Put up my monitors. Put up my monitors. And they eventually turn off all my mic included. They put they turn off all of our mics in the middle of our first song, and I just stood there and clapped on the downbeats of the song, and then thanked everybody for you know, thanked the judges or whatever. The judges. And, and then I went. There was like a judge, and I went over to him. I said, "I never want to sit. You know, you, if you ever do that to me again, I will literally murder you." That was the last time I ever saw him. By the way, <laughs> that was it. Oh man! All right, moving right along here. Jennifer Lopez, J Lo. On the perfect playlist. Oh, wish I was dancing at a wedding right now, JD. All right, we got it, right? Yeah, I think we're good, yeah. <laughs> the 
this is like I, mean, I I will admit that I that this is irreside to me. I'm a little biased because this, okay. song, this song reminds me of my own wedding. It okay. reminds me of like good times, like being at other people's weddings and yeah. If you are from New Jersey, you cannot go to a wedding to this day in 2021 and not hear this song. You think they played other states too, or is it just Jersey? It feels very Jersey to me. It feels very like Jer- you know because we got a big Latin population out here. Yeah. Everyone dances at our big, big ass overpriced weddings, and yeah. this song is always on. Speaking of big ass, you're great with the transitions here. Oh, I'm setting Let's you up talk to spike about J Lo, and I love my J Lo. I, you know, and it's not like I'm not like I have posted over on my wall, but I appreciate the fact that she is like the poster child for somebody who successfully transitioned to, from acting to music. Mm-hmm. You know, she already had the groundwork. She was already like a dancer, and she was a fly girl and a living color. And and her first major acting role was as Selena. You know, in 1997. But then she did Anaconda, which is a fun film. And, uh, and then she did Out of Sight. And then 1999, she drops On the Six, this massively successful record with... And I remember listening to If You Had My Love, kind of like a sorority sister, like pointing out fat, you know, like at, during a ha- as part of like a hazing experiment. Because I remember like wanting not to like it and thinking like, what does this beautiful actress have to offer, right? And, and in fairness to me, like... It, she really didn't really have to do that much in that song. And she sounded, if you really listen closely, sounded a little out of her element. And, you know, it, 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 she was a Christina Aguilera, in mm-hmm. other words. But then when she hit this song, I feel like she really hit her sweet spot. I think this yeah. works great. This, this, song is, is, this is her signature song. Yeah, I think there so, too. There is no doubt right? about Waiting it. Waiting for Tonight is kind of borderline, it's too, fine. a little bit. It's fine. But this was actually co-written by Gloria Estefan for herself. Yeah, she passed on it, right? And she passed on it because, and this was according to Wikipedia, which is the Bible yeah. online. According to our research 45 minutes ago. That, well, you know, well, two hours maybe. <laughs> that it sounded too similar to her other songs. Yeah. Oh, you mean your big hits? Like, what, what, you're too good for another hit? I mean, come on, Gloria. My favorite musical anecdote about this song is what Tommy Matola thought of it and uh, Tommy Mottola is a very interesting guy polarizing figure but a very yeah. interesting one and this is a direct quote Joe so I'm going to speak as Tommy maybe I'll put a little Italian accent into it <laughs> Tommy Mottola alright that one is funny that one was like a demo it's not much of a song it's really more of a chant we use that particular I'll call it a chant to do a screen test for her with lighting for different video directors. Now you hear cheerleaders doing it at football games. It became an anthem at sports event. I'm happy and I'm proud of that. There's no way that Matola sounded like that. That's crazy. <laughs> I actually have a review from Richard Torres of Newsday. Yeah. Who, who's I found a lot of positive reviews. This is a negative review. Yeah. Stating it was a total misfire and that Lopez simply doesn't supply enough oomph to drive this salsa injected tune. She's far too feathery where she should truly get down. What the fuck? What the fuck is that? This feels like a Mike. Know. This sounds like Mike Francesa, like, you know, analyzing a basketball game. We this call this, right. we call that person a contrarian, right? Yep. This song is, again, it's her signature song. Asses shake to this everywhere. Uh, Cougar Nights. Uh, uh, this is the playlist on Cougar Nights uh, out, you know? And she does everything, for me, does everything right. You know, she doesn't try to do too much. She's kind of like, you know, to use the football analogy, and she's kind of like the Alex Smith, you know, the game manager type uh, of a singer because she doesn't try to, you know, symbolically bomb the ball downfield all the time. You know, little check downs, you know, yeah. and she, she stays in her lane. She lets the instrumentation do all the work. And the one thing I, I think about all these celebrities is the why they transition to these songs and whatnot. It's 
I think it's just a natural extension for them. They, they're just trying to build their empire and be like dual and triple threats. Yeah, sure. And so they just get bored and see it as a natural extension of like and a lot of a lot of their people who are actors, you know, started a musical comedy or whatever, and you know, they're already performing on that level. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so this one right here is a very interesting one. My choice for the perfect playlist. This is Kelly Osbourne and one word. Right, so Kelly Osborne, daughter of Ozzy and Sharon, with one word. She she's another one who in this song like just buries the English accent completely. It, this this could easily be Paris Hilton again. Right. right? <laughs> you know? And um, I don't know. This was I gotta say this is the only well, there are two songs. This is one of the only two songs that you pass my way. I'd never heard this song before. Yeah. You know? It wasn't it didn't hit Billboard. Yeah. So yeah. I remember Kelly Osbourne as Papa Don't Preach Girl, who had this. Papa Don't pop- Preach. Yeah, she did Papa Don't oh, Preach. Okay, yeah. sure. That was like her. Bit, that was like her most well-known song. I thought she did like a punky cover of it, and that was her whole persona. She was this punky brat who was like, "Oh no, you know, I have millions of dollars, and my father is a big celebrity. And poor me. Right. Oh, poor you. Yeah." <laughs> And, uh, but now she's like doing auto tune, and there's electronica, you know, elements yeah, in this song. It's like, uh, it's it's like the same church as like Gary Newman or something. It, it sounds a little bit like a Kasabian song, if you know that. Sure, yeah. yeah, it all it all works. And the interesting thing about this is this was produced by Linda Perry, written and produced by Linda Perry. Linda Perry had a lot of hits, dude. I mean, so Linda Perry, this I, did we go through this on this show? I, I don't know. I no. talked about okay, Linda Perry, singer from Four Non Blondes. Uh, wife of Sarah Gilbert is yep. that her name, right? Yep. Her ex-wife of Sarah Gilbert. I don't know. Primarily, primarily, you know, songwriting for Pink, Katy Perry. I mean, just you name them. Linda Perry has worked with them and made hits for these people. So that's the case here. But I like the fact that Linda Perry put a different spin on her writing to make something a little bit more like new wave-ish. You know, a little bit more electronica. This song though was. This song did become a hit when it was remixed. Once it was remixed, then it showed up on, like, every dance chart as a number one. Okay. In fact, I remember being at clubs around this time, like, 05, 06, 07, hearing the club version of this song and just loving it. Um, I could see that. Yeah, I mean, fun. It, it, I haven't had a lot of time to absorb this, yeah. which I did that on purpose. I really wanted it to be fresh in my mind. Um, also, I didn't have a lot of time to research, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like the more I'm listening to it, it's just starting to stick to my bones a little bit, and um, I don't mind it. The first time I heard it, I was a little put off, but it's uh, it's, it's it's not bad. No, it's working it's, now. Yeah, it's good. It, it it um it belongs on a playlist. It's not the first song. It's not the second song on on a playlist I put together in the aughts for people. But I'm just like, it's like a sneaky like, hey, check this out, and if you recognize the name, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised by the output. 
All right, moving right along. It's Joaquin Phoenix. And Reese Witherspoon. Yes. From the film Walk the Line. It's, it ain't me, babe. Reese without her spoon. Go away from my window. Leave at your own chosen speed. I'm not the one you want, babe. I'm not the one you need. You say you're looking for someone who's never I wanted to bring this onto the playlist because this is um, Joaquin Phoenix and Reese Witherspoon. They weren't singers before this. They right. didn't know their instruments. So they went into this, and I, I'm more fascinated by this than anything else. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix learned to play guitar from scratch. Reese Witherspoon learned to play the auto harp. Uh, Who scratch. hasn't? Right, of course. We all do. You know, we all should do that once in our lives. It's my COVID instrument of choice. And they sang all the songs without being dubbed, and they, they both sound, I mean, again, like, Johnny Cash is not the most difficult vocalist to do. Right. But Walking Phoenix, I think, does it with conviction. I also love the film, so I think that helps. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> Roseanne Cash, you know, daughter of uh, Johnny and, uh, and June Carter Cash, was critical of the film. She, she was upset. Uh, she was upset because it, quote unquote, had the three most damaging events of her childhood her parents' divorce, her father's drug addiction, and something else <laughs> bad that she can't remember now. <laughs> this was a direct. I thought that was such a goofy quote from Wikipedia. <laughs> but Debbie, what else? What else is is a movie going to be based on the fact that he played a concert and met Elvis? Right. <laughs> like, what I else know. are you going to make Walk the Line about? I mean, it's, it's Johnny fucking Cash. It sucked for her because like Johnny Cash died right around the time the film came out. Sure. So it's like you're you're not only you know, and your mom just recently died too, June Carter Cash. So you have to deal with your parents' deaths, and by the way, your crappy childhood brought brought on a national scale, all at the same time. Yeah, I get that. I guess it's a compounding effect. But by the same token, Johnny Cash was a man whose pain shaped his art. Of course, I mean, and it's hard his to, lyrics. It's, it's hard to compartmentalize that as, as his daughter, I guess. I mean, but, Johnny Cash was to me is real country, not this fucking Florida Georgia line. Red Solo Cup bullshit that you hear. Like, have you seen the movie, by the way? Walk the line. Yes, of course. Yeah, so that was cool. Well, you know, you never know. Um, I got. I, I really enjoyed how you know how Johnny Cash was pushed to be this authentic artist because originally he wasn't. You know, he was doing what everybody else was yeah. doing. Everyone's doing covers. Yeah, in Elvis included. But I, going back to what you said before about Joaquin, I mean, he's so method. So for him to like get into Johnny Cash, I just wonder like how much substance. Did he imbibe in uh, to just to get right. to that point of of pain and numbness and and whatnot that Johnny lived through? I heard he left his wife just just to see what it was like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like his children crying in the background. <laughs> he started trolling uh, June Carter or whatever to <laughs> get a rise out of her. <gasps> yeah, but hey, it's it's a good film and um, yeah, for sure. I'm just like I said, I'm just impressed when people can 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 do that, learn that from the movie, as opposed to you know Swayze who just you know wanted to drop some more panties. <laughs> I mean, 
What else was Don Johnson doing besides trying to get in, into women's pants too with this one? This is uh, another one I throw on my cassette mix for the radio. No, this one made it on here too. This is Heartbeat, Don Johnson. Holy shit, Don Johnson coming in hot on that chorus. They ran out of lyrics for the chorus. <laughs> just like, I just keep saying heartbeat over and over again. Just screaming heartbeat. He, um, I mean, this was his moment, man. This is like 1986. He's doing Miami Vice. He's getting all the attention, not, what, the other guy, Tubbs? What was the other <laughs> guy? Yeah, I forgot Tubbs, his name. Tubbs ain't living large. Don Johnson, Crockett, he's living large. This was like an absolute scorcher during that time. You know, again, as a kid, I even thought this was cool. I mean, because I saw the guy on TV. And I was like, this is probably the first celebrity that I latched onto who sang. And I was like, oh, my God, I need this for some reason. Yeah. In hindsight, what the fuck was I thinking? I barely remember this song. I mean, it's not a song that's aged all that well in that. No, horrible. It's not popular now. You know, yeah. like it's not a song that gets played a lot nowadays. Yeah. But I gotta tell you, I went back and listened to this, and I I was really impressed with Don Johnson's vocal. He's got range. Sounds like a legit singer. Yeah, he is. And he's got he's got other albums. I mean, the, I think his subsequent albums definitely flopped. Yeah. I, this was it for him. And there's another hit off this album. Who cares? But the point being, like, I mean, listen to that register right there. I like it. Just yeah. just going going up a key. When when you sent me this song, you said I'm expecting to laugh at this. Yeah, and I'm like. I might want to listen to more Don Johnson music. I mean, but what does that say about me? Can I do that? Like, I feel like I'm going to fall into a pit of depression if I jump down a Don Johnson rabbit hole. I enjoy the fact that some directors are now bringing Don Johnson back. I mean, he did a little bit, like, with After Miami Vice with, like, Tin Cup and stuff. But, like, he was in Django Unchained as, like, Django Unchained, excuse me, as, like, just an absolute asshole. Uh, ditto for uh, The Watchmen on HBO, that series. He was in there for a little while. Just as a complete douchebag. And so, like, it's kind of cool when when people from our youth kind of come back in these niche weirdo roles. And Yeah. It's I cool like to it. see. But I, this is actually a cover. So this song was recorded by Helen Reddy in 83. Um, I don't know that I hear this song and I'm like, ooh, I want to cover this. Right. That, that, that's a, that's fascinating to me. Yeah, like, that the songs that people choose to cover that aren't necessarily hit, like when Nirvana did "Lake of Fire" by the Meat Puppets. Like, who? Yeah, who I would never think to, to cover that. that. No, yeah, no. <laughs> but I mean, it's genius when it works, and it worked for them. But it worked for Don too on a on a lesser. But Don Johnson's look really inspired a lot of fashion. I think the white blazer with the pastel colored shirt underneath. Yeah, you know, not a lot of people were wearing like t-shirts underneath blazers, and at that time, they nailed that look. And Miami Vice. Um, did you go to any like dances wearing that get up at all? Or no, so it was you a were little, very young. Right? I was I was a little too yeah. young. I mean, nineteen eighty six. I was what seven years old. Yeah, I was ten. So yeah. by the time I was old enough to 
you know, don myself in that attire, it was too late. My very first band that I was ever in, we were 11. I was doing, I was playing drums. We did, uh, our first song we learned was, uh, I think, Kokomo. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted out. I did not want to be in this band. But our singer wore a white jacket, full on, had the look, the spiked hair and everything. It was like, he was a cool little kid. I don't know. I'd yeah. want to. I'd want to spill my drink on that jacket so fast. <laughs> All right, man. So we're moving on to Deep Rose' next choice right here. Yeah, we're having some fun. Let's let's have, let's end with some fun. A little yeah, out of sound. assume that's the chorus this is part yeah once the backup singers come in that's the chorus start singing sucks royal dick but the uh the the, the background the, that's the funniest part to me is the background singers because they're legitimately singing <laughs> and, and uh <laughs> yeah. you know, so they're this, going for it so this is off of sam adam sandler's 1996 comedy album what the hell happened to me and remember comedy albums jd remember like you know the whole jerky boys era in the 90s that was a huge thing, and you couldn't easily get to it either. You yeah, know, you had sure. to have a friend who had this, and you go and burn a copy or whatever. Yeah, your copy was like six times dubbed over. It sounded like shit. Yeah, yeah, of for course. sure. But you could still hear it, right? Yeah. And I was never a big, um, I was never a big Sandler guy. You know, I thought he was fine, but this song always resonated with me. For some reason, this is the song, the only joke song I have in my music library that has like survived every incarnation of every phone <laughs> right. I've ever had. I don't know why. I think part of it is that I, uh, dude, I don't, did you ever, no, um, you might have met my mother. My mom. Yeah, my mom, I've, I've met your mother. Yeah, yes. my, my mom, it reminds me of my mom because my mom would play this song. Really? <laughs> yeah. And she would she would get a kick. She would sing the backup vocals like fucking pile of shit. She would sing the backing oh, vocals. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So I have got this, a whole new lease on this song now. I have this fond memory of my mom singing that song and, and laughing to it. So very cool. Um, again, joke songs, they're never going to pack the same punch as they did the first time you heard them. But yeah. this is definitely one of those songs that that brings me back. Did he chart with anything? I mean, other than the, uh, maybe the Hanukkah song. You know, it depends how Billboard's going to, because Billboard now will, under their new kind of rules or whatever, it will probably count if it gets airplay. I don't know that it will, but yeah, I'm just wondering if he ever charted. I, I, I yeah. don't know, but I, I'm, I'm fairly sure he charted in December with, uh, <laughs> with the Hanukkah song because that was on this album too. Oh, that was? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That song's crafty. It's an, it's inventive, you know? Yeah. And, um. But and because I mean, let's face it, there I, I don't really know any Hanukkah songs other than that. That's it. Yeah, like we have like eighty-three Christmas songs at, at least, least. <laughs> and then there's this one Hanukkah song. 
That's a joke, by the way. Completely. You know, like, good luck if you're Adam Sandler ever wanting to do, like, a concept album or something. Nobody's going to ever take that seriously. He'd be the biggest magician in the history of the world if he pulled that off. You see Uncut Gems? No, I wanted to see it, but I didn't see it. It's um, a little tough to get through. Just because he's yelling for, I don't know, I'm not 120 f- minutes? I'm not a fan of yelling. Yeah, it, it's just, I, I think the whole point of the movie was to portray a situation and a person who are all very tuned up and high strung and, and uh, a lot of influences, just negative influences kind of altering their personality. Francesca's in that film, right? I heard he has got a role. Mike Francesa is in that film. As is Kevin Garnett. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to see it. So now. if that's weird enough for you, then you're in. <laughs> All right, so we're going to wrap it up here. Your favorite celebrities, D-Pro and JD, saying so long for now. Follow us on Twitter at the Perfect PL. That's at the Perfect PL. And what about the Insta, Joe? The Perfect Playlist Pod. Perfect Insta. Playlist Pod. But now yeah. we got to do the flip side. Oh, snap. Okay, yeah. The favorite part of the show. Yeah, flip I like si- it. Flip side is the part of the show where we turn the episode on its ear. We uh, So in this instance, we are going to be talking about a celebrity who recorded music and it didn't work out, <laughs> oh, GD. Not at all. Let's hear some of that. <laughs> Kathy Lee Gifford, my friends. A little kiss, <laughs> a little coffee. A little moment to pray Our Sunday mornings <laughs> always start Yeah, night. we're not going to take you to the chorus That that would be Look torture oh, Wait, we got to get This is the money shot Money shot's coming? It's right here When I came down the stairs I knew that something was wrong He was dead He was lying on the floor Who? Frank He was in a bed of she wrote this about Frank yeah. Gifford? Yeah, she wrote this about Frank Gifford. No. Him dying, yeah. No way. Frank saw Jesus. That's what this song is about. Dude, when you had me load this to Spotify, I'm just like, okay, like, you know, maybe someone who changed your life around saw Jesus. Oh. This is about her her husband, 23 fucking years her senior. Like, don't be surprised when he shows up dead on the carpet one morning. Oh, my after God. After his morning coffee. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, no. So she wrote a whole song and, and sang in this, like, cabaret style yeah. of breathy, overdone delivery. Yeah. She talks about, she apparently talked about it with Hoda, too, on their on their show. About why she wrote the song for him and why she forgave him for his indiscretion and what was in 1995. Oh, yeah, that was very public. So Frank not only saw Jesus, he saw like Vanessa and yeah. Valerie and Carly and Vagina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, Frankie. But think about this though. Yeah. How much of a fucking boss do you have to be to cheat on your wife? And then she fucking records a song about you, about oh how much she loves you. <laughs> yes. I don't know. You must be packing some heat there, Frank Gifford. I don't know, man, but 23 years. If there's enough years between you that a person can be born between you and be legally allowed to drink before the next person is born, and then some? Too many years. <laughs> but I love the fact that, like. And he took his breath. <laughs> I can't even talk. I'm speechless. Who never wanted to leave. Frank never wanted to leave the house. I sense bitterness right there. 
Wow. And like, what label is picking this up? What label's like, you know what? Kathleen Lee's dropping some fucking bombs. People are going to buy this. Right, yeah, exactly. Like, what's sad is that I can put out 100 songs and never accumulate the record sales than she did by this piece of shit song, probably, right? Oh, my God, I have to look this up. He saw Jesus. Oh, other notable tracks were just sheep <laughs> and whiskey and wine and... There's, there's a bunch of she does a bunch of religious songs and I've always said if you want to pull the wool over people's eyes do religious songs or country songs because people who listen to religious or country music will listen to anything yeah they call that pandering <laughs> in the biz <laughs> only my pillow knows is another track from Kathy Lee Gifford <laughs> only my pillow knows oh my god that sounds sexual I don't want to I don't think I want to know <laughs> I come to the cross. <laughs> There's so many good names here of songs. Oh my god! Have you ever seen Triumphant Soul Comic Dog, who went to one yep. of her concerts? Mm-hmm. And he, sees, he shouts at her, I, "I love your music. I haven't heard sounds like that since my mother was hit by a car." <laughs> you know, Kathy Lee have a sense of humor. She didn't have a sense of humor about it, so. Oh, man, dude. You know, my computer just froze, too, so, like, I lost control to, to be able to, like, pause this. <laughs> that's God, man. That's, that's, that's divine intervention. Big finish here. Big spot for Kathy Lee. All right, I'm going to have to mute that channel because God knows what's next. <laughs> oh, Deep Row. Wow, what an episode. We had fun, man. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping people that are digging this, if you have any ideas for... You know, future episodes, definitely let us know. Yeah. Yeah, where can they find us, Joe? Fuck, I thought we already did that. <laughs> no, I'm just going to. So if you want to find us on Twitter, look us up at the Perfect PL. Yeah, yeah. Or on Instagram at Perfect Playlist Pod. Yeah. We're going to be doing some some surveys, you know, getting your opinions on things. Yeah. On Twitter. Voice of the customer. Voice of the customer. Definitely want that. And we want this to be kind of a communal effort between JD and I and, and all of you. you and know? our venereal diseases. Yes. Yeah. Because anything like me, venereal diseases, what the? That was I'm weird. just saying we're sharing. Might as well just share it all. We're going to share everything. You know, <laughs> like, as I said before, we all need each other in times like this. You know, if you're stuck in your house, if you want to, uh, if, if you want to listen to our podcast <laughs> and pretend that you have like some important quote unquote meeting for work. Then that works too. That's you know, if you line. want to get away from your family, that's great. <laughs> but hey, you know, thanks for listening. We'll uh, see you next time. In the perfect playlist.